You're listening to Indie Wine Chats, where every week we are inspiring the dreamers, doers, and fempreneurs. We're your hosts, Steph and Erica, two Indianapolis natives with roots in the fashion and beauty industry. Each week, we work to empower women with big dreams who are balancing motherhood, entrepreneurship, marriage, and so much more, which is where the wine comes in. We've got our favorite vino, and it's time to tune in for this week's episode. Hey, wine chatters. So one of us is drinking wine tonight. The other is not. Erica <laughs> um, is newly pregnant. We are really excited about that. She shared on social media a couple weeks ago now. So we're going to do a pregnancy episode tonight. And we're doing this a little differently because obviously I have never experienced this yet in my life. So I'm interviewing Erica tonight and asking all of the questions, giving you guys all the details about pregnancy. Um, Erica, you did a story like question series about this the other night. And I thought that that was yes. really cool. And you had so many people ask you so many of the things. So I, yeah, yeah it was, it was crazy. <laughs> honestly, I mean, I thought I was going to get like a couple here and there, but yeah, I definitely had tons of questions about all different aspects of pregnancy. And I stayed up so late trying to answer them all. But unfortunately, this first trimester is kicking my butt right now and I'm exhausted. So I didn't even get to finish answering all of them. So I was like, this podcast episode will be perfect because I can direct everybody to here and they can get all of their answers all in one spot. So (laughs) that's perfect. So good. Okay. Well, first I want to start with the fact that this is baby number five, like the Kresge five. I'm so, I know. Um, (laughs) And I want you to share a little bit about your journey to this point. I mean, I know obviously like, hi, four kids and then now one on the way later, but I want you to share a little bit about your journey with number five, because I feel like it's been special for you. And the only reason I know is just because obviously I know you and we're friends and we chat, but I want you to share with our audience kind of what's led you to this point. Yeah. So first of all, let me just say that, um, I am the oldest of five. So I come from a big family. I'm used to a big family, but when I was younger, I swore that I would not have five children. So it's kind of funny how life kind of laughs at you. And it's like, yeah, jokes on you. Um, but I mean, when Nate and I got married, he always knew that we wanted to have children fairly quickly and we wanted to have a big family. Um, with that being said, after we had Everly, which is our fourth, we kind of thought we were going to be done and that I was going to pursue surrogacy. So that was kind of the journey that we had planned on taking. Um, went through all the paperwork, started the whole process, found an agency, all of the things. Um, however, um, we didn't really get the answer we wanted. Um, I have had to have C-sections with all of our babies. And when you're dealing with surrogacy and dealing with clinics that will do what they call an egg transfer, um, when you've had more than three C-sections, they typically don't feel comfortable um, working with you for different reasons. So we, we hung on. We let the agency kind of work its connections to see if there was going to be an option for us. And unfortunately, they came back and were just like, we just don't think this is going to be, you know, the path that you're going to be able to take. And so... That was back in December when we found that out. And I have to be honest, like, I was heartbroken. I cried about it um, a lot, um, only because it was something I'd been so passionate about for, I mean, gosh, at least 10 years. Even before I had my own children, it was something that was really close to my heart because I had people in my life that were struggling with infertility. But anyway, saying all that, um, once we found out that was not going to be an option for us, we um, didn't necessarily think we were going to have another one until we kind of had a moment where we were like, I think I might be pregnant and then realized we weren't. And we were both like really bummed and disappointed. And then we were just kind of like, wow, okay. Like, I think that kind of shows our heart and kind of shows that maybe we want to have one last one. So we, um, yeah, so we tried and here we are. (laughs) So we are expecting baby number five in October and we are more than excited. So people ask, I think when you have a lot of children, if it was an oops or do you know what causes this? And, you know, some people just like to have a big family. It's definitely not for everybody and we get that. But yeah, we're super excited for baby number five. So I'm so excited for you guys. Isn't it crazy that people are like, well, you know, they're like questioning. I just, mm, this world. (laughs) 
yeah, it is interesting. Yeah, you get questions like, are these all yours? Or, yeah, like, you oh know, people gosh. joke and are like, oh, do you know what causes this? I'm like, clearly, but that hasn't stopped us, so. <laughs> oh, you guys, no, you guys are the best. Like, best parents, seriously. Like, I just admire you guys so much. I always joke with you, like, when I have kids, you're going to have to, like, teach me how to raise them. Just, you <laughs> You'll wrong. be fine. You figured out along the way. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay, so let's talk about your first pregnancy with Nora, because that's what led you obviously to C-section. So tell us a little bit about that, that first pregnancy, because I think this is something that so many people can relate to. Yeah. I mean, I had a really great pregnancy. I'm super, super blessed to have pregnancies that I don't really get sick. Um, you know, and that it's been really, really smooth and easy. Um, this one has been the exception. I have felt a little bit sick and extremely tired, but overall, like I do really feel super blessed. So anyway, I had a great pregnancy with Nora. Everything was great. Um, the last four weeks of your pregnancy, you go in once a week to just check to see if you're dilating, make sure everything's healthy, check the heartbeat, all that jazz. Um, and I, I was dilated at my first appointment at 36 weeks already. And it was weird because I really didn't feel like I'd had a lot of contractions, but I was dilated. I was defaced. Um, if you don't know what that means, it just means that like you're cervix was like thinning out. And so it's getting ready for baby. And, um, so anyway, my 39 week appointment, I went in and, you know, regular appointment as normal. So we thought, and I was dilated at three again, like didn't have a lot of contractions or anything, but, um, he kind of had done everything he needed to do. And then Nate, my husband was like, Hey, like, aren't you going to tell them that you've been like leaking amniotic fluid? And I was like, oh, yeah, like, I think I might be leaking amniotic fluid. And he was like, why didn't you tell me that at the beginning of the appointment? He's like, I've got to send you in for an ultrasound, whatever. So anyway, they sent me over to have an ultrasound to see how much fluid I'd lost. And then they were like, okay, you're headed to the hospital. You're having this baby today. So I was like, oh, okay, like, I guess we're doing it. I was supposed to work that night. So I was like calling it to work, like, sorry, not coming. You have to have this baby. Um, so they sent us over to the hospital and... Um, Whenever you're not obviously contracting on your own, they have to induce your labor, especially when your water has, I didn't fully break my water, but it was like leaking steadily. Um, so they put you oxytocin to increase your labor. So basically you go from this beautiful, happy place of no contractions in like, I don't know, five minutes, you feel like you're about to die. So um, labor pains are no joke. <laughs> they are definitely painful. Um, I will say that I made it to about six centimeters. I wanted to go drug free and that just didn't happen. I had no letdown in between contractions. And so I went ahead and I had an epidural, then it only worked on one side. And so they had to like, give me some more to work on the other side. Long story short, I pushed for four and a half hours. And every time I pushed through a contraction, her head would come down and then the contraction would be over and she would go right back up. So she just was not progressing. She wasn't coming down. Um, and then my OB was just like, listen, we can let you push for another half hour, but I don't think that this is going to happen. Um, you know, the way that you're wanting it to, I think we're going to have to prep you for a C-section. So they left, gave Nate and I some time to talk about it. And I'll be honest, like I cried. I was not like, that's not how I envisioned things going, but at the end of the day, my body was exhausted and I knew she wasn't going to come out that way. And so it was just like, well, we have to do what's best for, you know, our baby. So they prepped us for a C-section and that's what happened and everything worked out. It was perfect. And she was healthy and beautiful and wonderful. And, um, yeah, I mean, so it was not necessarily what we had planned. Um, but that's kind of what happens, um, in pregnancy and birth, you just sometimes don't know how it's going to go and you kind of have to be emotionally prepared that, it may not go exactly how you want it to go. And that's okay. As long as your baby gets there healthy, then that's all that matters. And so at the end of the day, that was all we really cared about was that she came and she was healthy. So that's how I see sections came about. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay. Tell me a little bit about those moments that you're like laying there on the table, because listen, like I have no experience with this, right? So I'm like literally <laughs> imagining you laying on the table, you're numb from like basically your waist down. So you just like can't feel yep. anything. And yeah they are just like cutting you open and like throwing, you know, I just like envision what I see on TV. Right. So like walk us through those moments. Like, what are you thinking? 
Well, with Nora, it, it was a little bit different than the rest of them. With the rest of my C-sections, they were planned. So we picked the day. I got my spray tan. I painted my nails. Like, my makeup was on. Like, I was ready to go, you know? But with Nora, it was a little... I have to be honest, it was kind of a blur just because I had been in labor for a while and I pushed for so long. And it was, like, after midnight by the time we got back there. So with Nora, I don't remember a lot of the prepping. I just remember, like, being exhausted and just wanting to meet our baby so bad. Um it is weird because you are numb. However, you do feel pressure. So like, you know, when they're cutting you, it doesn't hurt, but you just like, you know, when they're doing it. Um, and then when they go to push the baby out, like they can't just, they don't just like reach in and grab it. Like they push right under, like right on top of your rib cage and they go one, two, three, and they like push hard. Like they're trying to like squeeze all the toothpaste out of a tube of toothpaste. Like that's like the only thing I can think of. And it feels like an elephant is on your chest. So it almost like knocks the wind out of you. Cause it's so like they push so hard. Um, and usually they come out one little push and then, you know, you can hear your baby cry and it's definitely different because there's a sheet up. And so you can't see your baby right away and they kind of take them over, clean them up. And then, you know, once they get their diaper on, they cut the cord, all that jazz. And they kind of, you know, they bring your baby around so you can see. So with Nora, it was very like, it was all kind of a blur with the rest of them. I like was very alert, very awake. So I knew what was happening. And, um, I was never like scared. I, it's always slightly nerve wracking because you're like laying there with a sheet and you know that they're about to like cut open your stomach and, take out your organs and your baby and all of the things. So it's a little weird if you like think about it too much. Um, But I think the overwhelming like excitement that you're about to see your baby, like just kind of overrides all of those like, like fears or anxieties that you might have. um, Because at the end of it, like, you know, that you're about to like meet your baby. And so I think for me, it was slightly like, oh, this is kind of weird. But on the other hand, there's just so much excitement and so much adrenaline that you don't really think about the fact that like literally your organs are outside of your body. (laughs) You're just like, I can't wait to see my baby. And so I think that was those, those types of emotions overtook like the fear or anxious emotions. So the surrogacy agency was like so anxious about you having you know, this fifth baby for someone else, um, and having a C-section, et cetera. So tell me a little bit about how you're feeling about that now that you're pregnant with your own, maybe how your OB is feeling, like what's that space going to look like? Yeah. I mean, so when I came in and I was pregnant with her fourth, I believe, um, you know, my OB has been, he's amazing. I literally love him so much. He's a, he's a really great doctor and, um, he's been with me through all of my pregnancies. And he, um, when he was doing one of my exams for my fourth one, he had like a resident or something in there with him. And he's like, Oh, like this Erica, we love her. He's like, she could have 60 sections and, you know, and she would be fine. We just love her. And she's, you know, she can handle it. So, Every um, C-section case is different. There have been women that have only had two and their doctor's like, you know, you can't have any more. There's been women who have had eight. So it's all based on your body and what your OB kind of feels is best for you. So what people are concerned with with C-sections is that your uterine wall can kind of get really thin after it's been cut into several times. And then some women can scar in a way that's very difficult to cut through and can make it difficult um, to have another C-section. So those are kind of the couple things that they look for. My OB um, was like, you don't have either one of those. You don't have scarring issues. You don't have, you know, your uterine wall doesn't look compromised or look thin. So I feel comfortable with you, you know, carrying a fifth child, whether it's yours or surrogacy. So my, my OB was on board from the beginning. Um, you know, but every clinic is different. And I, I understand that they're looking out for, you know, the emotions and the needs of the parents who are looking for a surrogate. So I kind of get where they're coming from. You know, on the other hand, it's kind of frustrating, kind of sad when I was so willing to do it and my OB was on board. But, you know, I just, I fully believe that, you know, God had a purpose for our life and knew what he was doing in our, in our life's journey. And clearly, you know, he thought that our family wasn't done. And so here we are having our fifth. So, um, but yeah, so my, my OB feels totally comfortable with us having a fifth VSC section and, um, doesn't have any issues with it at all. So again, it's all based on each woman and their, you know, and what their doctors are comfortable with. So. All right. So let's walk through like, you know, let's say that there's a couple out there that's ready to start their family and they're ready to start trying and all of the things. What advice would you give to that couple who's like, I mean, 
having a baby is like no small thing. This is a very large life change. So what advice would you give to that couple that's like ready to take that step and in that time? Yeah. So what I'll, I'll start off by saying this, like you're, you're probably never ever going to be or feel like you're fully prepared. Like this is the perfect time to have a baby. And maybe you're like that for some people, for us, like, you know, when Nate and I first got married, you know, we were still starting off in our jobs and, you know, we were not like loaded or, you know, we're still not, but I mean, we were in a financial place that was, that was fine for where we were at. But, you know, the thought about having a baby, was a little scary. Um, but one of the things I would say is that when you are going to start trying for a baby, you have to know first off that like your lives are going to drastically change. And it's a, it's an amazing thing and and something that like, I cannot fully describe, but it is something that you're going to have to realize that you're going to have to give of yourself. Like being a parent, like is you are selfless. You know, I remember when I first brought Nora home, it was like, Oh, like I can't just like leave and go do like go get coffee or go to the store, go get a spray. You know what I mean? Like, it was like, I have this little baby. Like she's like ruling my life now. And it was, I wasn't mad. It was just like this weird like shift, especially with your first, because it completely changes your world. Your freedom's gone. Um, you're buying diapers more than you ever thought you would buy diapers. And you think, how can this tiny little human like need so many tiny things? But so you have to just, I, I would say, be prepared that A, you are going to have to be selfless. B, like if you are worried about finances, or, you know, worried if you're like, um, how am I going to afford this? Just know that like most people can afford it. It's about what you are willing to sacrifice or give up to make it work. So, you know, now, like, even with our fifth, like we get it, like, you know, we are, we've worked hard to be able to, you know, be where we're at and have five children. But like, you know, we did have to sacrifice things when Nora, when we first had Nora, like, I went months and months and months without getting my hair done because it was just not in our budget at the time. Like I gave up some of those luxuries in order to provide for a baby. And, you know, and same, same with my husband, like we didn't travel. We didn't really go on trips. We didn't do any of those things at first, you know, because we were trying to make sure that first and foremost, our baby was taken care of. Um, so I would, yeah, I would say be prepared to like be selfless, be prepared to like lose your freedom a little bit. Um, and then the other thing I would say is to start prepping. So like, if you know, like, yes, I'm a, I want to start, start a family, like go ahead and start making like lists of what you think you're going to need, what that budget might look like. Um, Nate and I, like as soon as we found out we were pregnant with this one, literally we already started buying diapers. And I'm not kidding when I say we probably have 30 packs of diapers in our closet that we've been stocking up on because we know it's coming. We know we're going to need them. And it's better to start now when the baby's not here and start buying those little things to get you ready than waiting until the baby's here and then you're like scrambling to get things. So I would just say prepare as much as you can. Um, and yeah, I would just say you just, you're going to, it's, it's going to be something that literally changes your world in the most wonderful and beautiful way that you could ever imagine. It's a love that like you've never experienced before, but you know, it, it is still a sacrifice to be a parent. So if you are used to your freedom and used to like spending your money, you know, however you want and on yourself, which there's absolutely nothing wrong with, but know that when you're about to welcome a baby into the world, that's going to change a little bit. So I think the advice that you just gave about like starting to plan, like, you know, when you get pregnant, obviously there's the first trimester and there, there is risk of, you know, like losing the baby, et cetera. I'm aware of all of that, but you know, once you get through that, or if you're starting that or whatever that might look like, planning ahead is so important. Like, you know, this baby is coming. Yep. This baby is going to need diapers. This baby is going yep. to need bottles. So that is like, that is amazing advice that you could give to somebody because I think it's like, okay, now we have nine months and it's like, yes. And you have nine months to like prepare, but what if you don't really have nine months? Like have Erica, have any of yours ever come early or have they always been like full term? Yeah. I mean, the, the earliest that I ever did was just one week early. And that was because they, they pick my C-section dates, but you, I mean, you still like, for, I'm like the weird exception. Like I just, my body doesn't really go into, well, I, it hasn't gone into labor because a, my doctor doesn't want me to go into labor because I've had C-sections. And if you have had C-sections, they're going to have repeat, um, 
if you go into labor, it's more of an emergency C-section, which they don't want to put you in that position. But there are plenty of people, you know, who go early and you just, you may not be fully prepared. So, you know, for the most part, what your babies are, you know, you're going to need a bouncy seat. You're going to need a crib. You're going to need, you know, blankets and bottles and burp rags and, you know, and you can sit down and talk about it. And my biggest advice too, when you are going to go register or you're going to start shopping, find a mom that's had at least two children and ask them what their top needs are. Because with your first child, you always think you need way more than you actually need. So when you're going to shop or plan, find a mom with two or more kids and she'll tell you what's up because she'll know what you actually need and what you are not going to use at all with the waste of your money. So that would be my other, other piece of advice when you start to plan for things. So what are your top three items that you're like, I, if you need three oh items, the three. <laughs> well, I, okay. So for me, like we choose to breastfeed at least as long as I can. So that kind of takes care of my food situation. Um, however, if you are choosing to do bottle or formula, that's totally amazing. But obviously that's going to be the populist because your baby needs to eat. So um, for me, obviously, like I've already got my breast on hand. We're good to go. So check. Um Next thing would be, oh gosh, um, a bassinet or some type of like small bed that the baby can sleep next to your crib because they're not going to probably sleep in their crib for several months. So definitely a bassinet. Um, a bouncy seat like is key because you can take that little seat anywhere you are in the house and they're usually very happy in their bouncy seat. That was something we could not live without. Um, and then I would say outside of like the duh stuff, like obviously your baby needs clothes, diapers, wipes, all those things. Um, I would say the next thing for me, it is like a clothing item. Um, but for me, like I love pajamas that zipped. So, and I feel like this is like very, like can be controversial because people are like, oh, zippers and babies, you'll pinch their skin. There's a way that you can do it where your finger goes inside the zipper, glides it. It's just your babies are like kicking all the time and like moving their legs. And if they're hungry, they're screaming. And when you're trying to snap 85 snaps on a pair of pajamas, you feel like you're going to lose your absolute loving mind. So if you have a zipper on your PJs, it's the most convenient thing ever. And I know it's like the silliest thing, but anytime I buy gifts for a shower, I'm always like, you need pajamas that zip because they'll, they they will save your sanity. So I don't know, something random, but (laughs) yeah, well, babies can have so many accessories. Like there's just so many things that like go along. So it's good to know what the like essentials are that, you know, if you really get specific about it and what their needs really are, then that's things to know. Erica, yeah. what would you what would you tell a couple or a family that might be struggling with um, getting pregnant, or maybe they're struggling with infertility, or you know they're in that period where either they've been trying for a while or whatever? What would you tell What would you tell those people? Gosh, that's so hard um, because we I've never struggled with that personally. And I I would never act like I know what they're feeling or I know what that's like um, because I haven't experienced that. And that's something that it breaks my heart for other people that have gone through infertility. Um, But I, it's hard for me to say, give them advice necessarily because I haven't been there. So I guess I would say find other women or other couples that have been through infertility that can kind of, um, pour into you a little bit because I feel like you need those people around you that have been where you're at and have struggled where you've struggled, have cried when you've cried. Um, like just, you really need that support from people who have been there and who really truly honestly get it. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, I think that's my, that would be my biggest thing. And to be, I don't know. I, I feel like I can't give advice necessarily just because it's easy for me to give advice if, you know, like we didn't have any problems and I'm so blessed. And I, I don't take that for granted that we did not have, you know, issues trying to get pregnant. But, you know, right now, um, I know a girl personally who's struggling with it and like, she was really vulnerable and opened up about it. And it was hard. Like I was sitting there just like crying and sobbing, listening to her. Cause then, you know, I wanted to just like squeeze her and wrap my arms around her. And, um, you know, so we like, honestly, we prayed for her and just prayed that like, this is like, the journey that she's in right now, but this doesn't mean that this is like the end of her journey. You know, it's just, this is the the journey that she's in right now. And so it's hard and 
you know, we don't fully understand why, but hopefully on the other end of it, that there is some light and that they'll be able to look back and they'll be able to find the positive, you know, in that journey. It's hard to see it when you're in it. So I don't know. I feel like I'm not like at liberty to really give a ton of advice, except for I would just encourage you to find other people who have been there to just really support you. Well, you guys tried for like a year and a half with Everly, right? Your fourth? We did. Um, and again, like it's, it's hard. Like we had three babies already. And, um, for us, it was like, we chose to just see it as like, if we're supposed to have a fourth baby, like, you know, God's going to allow that to happen. And his timing is always better than our timing. And so, you know, if we wouldn't have gotten pregnant when we did, like we wouldn't have our Everly. And so it's like, I, I felt comfortable. Like it was like a little weird and frustrating because we were like, what is happening? Like we haven't had any issues getting pregnant before. Like, why are we having issues being, you know, trying to have a fourth child? But, you know, at the end of the day, we look back and we're like, okay, like, you know, God was in control. He knew what he was doing. He had a plan and he knew that we needed an Everly. And so, you know, we kind of were just like trusting the journey and we already had three babies. And so, you know, as much as we wanted more, it's different than when you're trying to have your first and struggling with infertility because you don't have any children yet. So I don't know. I mean, I think it's, it's different for everybody and everybody's infertility journey can look different. So yeah, no, I think you're right about that. For anyone listening, the only reason that I know this is because I listened to her podcast, but Jenna Kutcher has been through a couple of losses and they finally just had their sweet baby girl. Um, but if you're listening, she does a full episode on miscarriage and what that has looked like because there are, I mean, one in four women miscarry. Can you believe yeah. that? Like that yep. It's that crazy. 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 It is. So I know there are so many women out there who have lost babies and I, I, I mean, I can't imagine we're not in that place yet, but I, I can't even imagine. So if you are feeling like you're struggling with that, I know that Jenna, um, has shared podcasts revolving miscarriage and really shed some light on what that looks like. And she's just a good one to listen to, to know that you're not alone in what you're walking through. Yes, absolutely. I totally second that. She's amazing and her journey's been amazing. So if you're looking for somebody to listen to or relate to, I would definitely recommend her. Okay. So Erica, you told me at the beginning of this episode that nothing was off limits. So I'm going to ask you a little bit. Um, So tell me like the weirdest thing about pregnancy, like something like when you got pregnant (laughs) with Nora, you were like, I did not know that this was a thing. Like in the movies where they're like, oh, and I'm pregnant and the baby and it's, and you know, all the things it's so pretty. And like, you just didn't even expect it. Yeah. So (laughs) there's, again, I feel very lucky because I do have really great pregnancies. However, there are parts of being pregnant that are less than wonderful and exciting. Um, so, and again, every woman is different. So that's what's so funny about pregnancy is that everybody is going to experience different things. One of the things I remember experiencing, I don't know, it's been, you know, several weeks, a couple months after I got pregnant with Nora, but my thighs would sweat like nobody's business. Like, I can't even explain to you. It was like, if I sat for any period of time, like my pants, my underwear, my dresses would literally be drenched in sweat. Like my thighs just don't stop sweating when I'm pregnant. I know that's like whatever, but it's just, it is what it is. Like it, that was, that was one of the first like weird things. I was like, what is, what is happening? And literally every single pregnancy, that's what happens to me. I am going to get real personal with you guys. And my, I remember with Nora, I was at um, one of my baby showers and I was wearing a maxi dress because it was, you know, it was probably in April. It was a warm day in April and I was wearing this maxi dress. And I remember I had to sit in this chair for so long because people were giving us gifts and it was great and it was beautiful. And all I could think about was like, I am drenched, like I'm sitting in sweat, like I'm just drenched. And I remember after everyone left, I went into my, because it was at my friend's house, I went to my friend's bathroom and literally just took my underwear off and just threw them away because they were so soaked in sweat. I was like, what, what is happening to my body right now? Like, this is so, this is a new thing for me. So that was the first thing, really exciting. Um, second would be, listen guys, like this is going to be real personal too. 
hemorrhoids when you are pregnant are like no joke. Like if you did not get them when you were pregnant, bless your soul. And I am so happy for you. But I remember when I first experienced them with Nora, I was horrified, like completely horrified. I remember calling my mom on the phone. I was in so much pain and I was like, what is happening to me? What do I do? This is terrible. And she's like, okay, like calm down. You need to go get some cream. Like, here's what you got to do. And it was horrible. I'm not going to lie to you. I would not wish this on my worst enemy. They were so painful and it was horrible and the most excruciating pain I think I'd ever felt in my life. Um, and those lasted for, I don't know, I would say for like a few, like a week or so. And then they kind of got better. What happens when you're pregnant is there's so much pressure. Um, the bigger you get on all of your organs and all of the things. So the more pressure you have, the more likely you are to have hemorrhoids. Um, and Tenora, all of my babies were over eight pounds. So like they were no joke. They were big babies in there and they put lots of pressure on me. So it was very uncomfortable. I experienced it with all of my pregnancies. That was the one thing that I feel like was my absolute least favorite horrible part of my pregnancy so but you know what like here's the deal pregnancy comes with some weird stuff and I feel like sometimes we're afraid to talk about the unglamorous moments because it's embarrassing but like it is what it is guys like it happens it's not fun but it's not something you should be embarrassed or ashamed about your body is literally carrying a miracle and you are growing life inside of you so if you have a few like random uh, things that are like not so glamorous and exciting whatever. It's still worth it. I still would do it again to have our babies. But that was the second thing that I had no idea. Like I did not know was going to happen, um, was definitely not prepared for So that was like probably my most uncomfortable thing about pregnancy. Um, I think the other thing was more after pregnancy, your body goes through like a lot. And I had no idea with Nora, like after I had her that you bleed for at least six weeks after you have a baby. I had zero clue that that was a thing. I had no idea whatsoever that that was going to happen. Um, and newsflash, you cannot wear tampons, guys. So, like, you are wearing the diaper pads, like, for a full six weeks, you guys. So, be prepared for that. Again, it's not fun. It's still worth it. I would always do it again. But <laughs> I had no idea that was a thing. Um, so that was the other thing that I was a little like shocked that was going to happen. I was definitely not prepared for. Um, and then I think if you are breastfeeding, um, I just thought like, cool, breastfeeding, I got this, I can do this, no problem. So I, your, your boobs are already like super sore cause they're like, they're growing, they're filling up with milk. So they're slightly uncomfortable and I started nursing Nora and I was like, okay, like I've got this. She's eating. She's like latched on. We're good to go. About four or five days in, um, I, my nipples were literally bleeding <gasps> and I was like, um, what is happening? Like this is, I mean, I would cringe every time she went to like nurse. I was like, what is happening? What is going on? Well, come to find out she was not latched on correctly. And so, um, if you are planning on breastfeeding, don't be like me, like at least get a little bit of education before you start of how they're supposed to be latching on, because it seems crazy that it, you just think like, cool, like I just put the baby on there and they eat. No, no, no. Like I'm going to get a little graphic here, guys, like your nipple has to be sitting back further on their tongue. Like you don't want them to just to be on the actual nipple. Like your areola needs to be more on their lips and your nipple, their, your nipple needs to be more on their back of their tongue. Otherwise it will just rub your nipple raw and they will bleed like mine did. So I learned that the hard way. So I had to pump until um, they healed so I could go back to breastfeeding her. Um, so that was a whole ordeal that I was, did not know was going to happen. Um, and then the last thing would be again, after pregnancy, like your hormones are nutty. Like they're all over the place. Your body's trying to regulate again after it's just like went through carrying a baby for nine months. Now you're not, your baby's out of you. Now you're producing milk, all of the things. And for me with all my pregnancies, that first like, couple weeks, I remember with Nora coming home and not only are you like engorged and your breasts are leaking if you're breastfeeding. Um, but I remember waking up like, I don't know, the second night we were home and our bed, I'm not kidding, was drenched from like my, where my shoulders were down to like where my hips were. 
And I thought, like, did I pee the bed? Like, that was the first thing I thought. Like, I'm not kidding when I say our sheets were, like, completely drenched, covered. Oh, no. It was a mixture of milk that had been leaking out all night and night sweats. Like, your hormones are so aggressive that literally I would just wake up in a pile of sweat. And I would have to, like, strip the bed, take a shower because I was sticky from the milk, and then salty and sweaty from the night sweat. So, you know, it was it was interesting. Eventually, your body like figures figures it out, and you go back to normal. But those were some of the biggest things that were not fun, and that I really did not think I was going to have to experience. Wow, so. <laughs> I'm getting a serious education over here. Like, wow, I know, girl. This it's is no so- joke. Okay, so Erica, you you get up and you get yourself put together and you're going to have five kids like, and you're talking to us about all of the bad things. So like, you know, I'm sure that you get comments about people being like, well, how do you look so put together or you have time for this or whatever. Can you speak to that a little bit and just sharing like taking time for yourself as a mom, et cetera? Right. Yeah. So, um, for me, like, I, I do love to, like, get ready. I do love to have my hair and makeup done um, most days. It is not like that every day. I'll be totally honest with you guys. But if I have a day where, like, I need to leave the house, if I've got errands to run or appointments or whatever that looks like, I'm going to make the time to, to pull myself together. And it's just something that's important to me. And I just I feel better about taking on the day when I've showered and gotten myself ready. And so you'll learn um, kind of what works as far as like trying to get yourself ready and having kids. But like, I love our babies so much, so fiercely, but like they do not rule our entire schedule. Um, you know, when the kids were little and I need to shower again, here comes the bouncy seat. I brought the bouncy seat into the bathroom with me and I showered while they were in there so they could still see me and hear me and be a part of me. Um, if your baby is fed and changed, um, and they're like, you know, that for the most part, they're probably fine. So if they cry it out a little bit while you're in the shower, like, no, it's not ideal, but you know that they're fine. Um, so I would take them in there with me. And then in the mornings, like when I need to get my makeup on, you know, with the two that I have now that are at home because the girls are at school, Hudson will, you know, get his tablet and he'll play a game or he'll get his little preschool book and work on that. And I'll put Everly in her walker and give her toys to play with, or I'll just shut the door and I know what toys she likes to play with and she entertains herself. Now, it doesn't always go smooth. It does take me longer when they're there. So I do have to prepare that like, hey, my makeup that would usually take me like 30 minutes might take me 45 to 50 minutes because I'll have to keep stopping. But um, if it's something that's important to you, don't feel guilty about taking a little time for yourself and taking a shower and getting yourself ready because I'm a better mom when I feel like I have those like moments to get ready or moments to myself. Now, there are definitely days where I am bumming it and I'm in my sweatpants and I will shower, but like that's about all I do. And I'm okay with that too because that's something that feels comfortable to me. But I also do not feel guilty about days where I want to like get ready, do my hair, do my makeup, you know, get dressed, all of the things. So I think it's just about finding those little moments in your day where you can take some time to get ready or whatever that looks like. Maybe you don't like care about having your makeup done and that's fine too, but maybe it's reading a book or, you know, whatever that looks like for you, like find those times in your day. Like for me, a lot of times it's nap time. Like I know at nap time, that's when I can get stuff done. Some days I choose to do laundry. Sometimes I choose to do my hair and makeup and get ready for the day. So you will find what works with your day, with your schedule, with your kids and what works for them. But I encourage you, like if it's something you really want to do, um, and it's obviously not like where you're ignoring your kids and, you know, you're neglecting them. But if you're taking 30 minutes to take a shower and put some makeup on, like don't feel bad about that. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I couldn't agree more with you. I think that goes even, you know, without, even if you don't have kids, like you've got to take time for yourself because in order to love yeah. those around you and like, or into everyone else's lives, you've got to fill your own cup up first. So it's yep. just really important advice, no matter what walk of life that you're in. Yeah, definitely. Okay, Erica, is there anything about pregnancy that I haven't asked you that you just want to share? You want to spread your wisdom with <laughs> all our listeners? 
Um, I was trying to think back at any of the, the other questions that I had um, about pregnancy. I mean, I answered the stuff that's not so fun. My favorite part of pregnancy is just honestly, like, knowing that you're growing your child inside of you and feeling that baby move. Like, I wish that, like, I could feel a baby moving inside of me, like, 24-7. It's the most, like, magical and amazing feeling that you'll ever experience, and it makes it worth all of the other things that your body goes through. So I would say that's, my, like, probably my favorite part of pregnancy um, I think we pretty much answered all the questions that people were asking, like the good, the bad, the ugly people ask like how we afford five kids. Um, and that's just like, you know, what you can handle financially. And that's goes, that goes back to like financial planning and, and budgeting and getting yourself ready for that. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think that that's, that's pretty much it. I obviously can't speak from a vaginal delivery side of things. Um, so I know that, the recovery afterwards is a little bit different than a C-section. So I can't speak to any of that, but somebody did ask about like the diaper and like the mesh panties and all of that. And yes, that's, that is a real deal. You do wear them. They're actually kind of comfortable and comforting after what your body has been through. So don't hate them. Um, they work for you when you're in the hospital with C-sections. Usually you only have to wear them like one, two days at the most. If you've had a vaginal delivery, usually about three to four. Um, and that's because when you've had a C-section, they can actually like clean you out a little bit better. Um, you don't bleed quite as heavy those first few days. So that's kind of a bonus, but again, everyone's going to bleed afterwards four to six weeks. So prepare for that. Um, and then I'm trying to think like when you're in the hospital, like if there's any other, um, oh, something somebody said was about like what to pack, like it brings the hospital, kind of what to prepare for. And I would say, the things that I definitely wanted, um, and this is, I think, if you've got a C-section or not, is you want, like, pajama pants that are flowy, comfortable, like, don't have a really tight waistband. Like, the last thing you want is to feel like a stuffed sausage in your pajamas. Like, <laughs> you want to, like, be comfortable. And then if you plan to breastfeed, wear pajamas that have buttons on them or that has, like, like a cross front that you can easily access and then some type of robe, like a robe for me was a lifesaver. You're going to have people in and out most of the day, like visiting you, which is great. Um, but when you're trying to like breastfeed your baby or trying to do skin, you know, skin on skin time, it's so much easier if you have a robe to kind of cover yourself up in and kind of wrap around you when people are in and out all the time. So that was one thing I definitely for sure wanted. Um, and then you guys bring comfortable underwear, like nobody wants to be wearing a thong after they have a baby. Like, just don't do it. Like it's just a stupid, it's a stupid decision. So bring comfortable granny panties and it's not glamorous, but you'll be happy you did it because it's definitely more comfortable that way. Um, and then as far as your baby goes, really, and if you're going to bottle feed, bring stuff to bottle feed, but the, the hospital has diapers, wipes, like take advantage of it. Use all their things. Like there's no need to bring your stuff. You're going to save that for home. <laughs> They'll provide you with all the things and just use it. <laughs> so I think as far as hospitals as it goes, those would be some of the main things. Um, oh, one thing I forgot is um, a boppy, which is, do you know what that is? Seth? I do not know what that is. Okay. No. <laughs> so a boppy is just like a circular pillow that kind of goes all the way around your waist. Um, so that way when you're holding your baby, feeding your baby, your arms have something to kind of rest on and your baby has something to rest on. And I honestly don't know why, but I never did it with the first three, but I got it for Everly and I was so glad that I did. It was, it like gives your arms a break, especially if you're breastfeeding. Um, and it's nice too that you can kind of nestle your baby in there a little bit, um, and lay them in there. And she still loves it now. Like she sleeps with it and thinks it's like the greatest thing ever. So I definitely would say bring a boppy with you. It's very helpful when you're like tired and exhausted to like give your arms a break and like allow your arms to rest on there when you're feeding your baby. So, and yeah, yeah other than that, like, so full think, of wisdom when it comes to baby <laughs> and pregnancy and all the things. Oh gosh. Yeah. You should I, mean, write. I, don't, I don't know at all, but I've done it a few times. So I feel like I've had a little bit of experience, but listen, like there's always room to learn. There's always room to grow. Like I said, with this pregnancy now, like I'm experiencing way more like the symptoms than I did with all the other ones. So this is kind of a, a little bit of a different world for me right now, but you know, that's okay. It's all, it's all worth it. It's probably because I'm getting old and my, my body can't handle it. So anyway, but yeah, oh, so I hope that was all helpful. I know that was like a lot and that was like some really gross stuff and some really good stuff. But at the end of the day, like if you want to start a family, know that like, don't be afraid of it. Like, yes, it's a little scary and crazy because it's something new, but it's so beautiful and so worth it. 
So that was one thing I wanted to ask you, Erica, because you look fabulous. Like, okay, let's just be real. Like I've seen you naked. So like your body is fabulous. (laughs) And like, how, like, what do you, what do you do? What's your secret? I'm sure everybody wants to know. Okay. So (laughs) I will, yeah, like, yes, like I have always been like a smaller frame. Um, and I've never like really struggled with weight a lot in my life. And I'm, I'm thankful for that. But, um, I, my body is not the same now as it was like before I had children. Like, yes, I'm thankful. Like, sure. Like, I think I look great and I've become more confident with how my body is now than when I was my first had Nora. But like, yes, I have stretch marks. Um, yes, I have loose skin. I've got, technically I have three scars because one of my scars is cut over, um, a second time, but I've got three C-section scars that kind of mess with like your lower abdomen a little bit. And so you have like this little tiny pooch and it's there. I don't love it. But at the same time, like it is what it is. Like I've, I've had four babies. So, you know, I know that my body's not going to be the exact same as it was before. And I would encourage you, like, there's a lot of people out there who really do bounce back like super quick, like three days later, they're like wearing a two piece bathing suit and they have abs again. Like, that's amazing for them. But like, also don't feel bad if your body does not do that because every woman's body is different and handles pregnancy differently. One thing I will say is for me, I, when I, I chose to breastfeed. So when you breastfeed, it contracts your uterus quicker, which means, and it helps you kind of burn calories. Your uterus goes down a little bit faster. So that does help a little bit at the beginning. And then, um, yeah, I mean, I just, I'm not like a super like health nut or fit person. But what I would say the best thing you can do is to not go crazy and overeat when you're pregnant. Now, listen, like I love a cheeseburger. I downed a giant cheeseburger and fries today, like no problem. But when I was pregnant with Nora, I thought, oh, cool. I can eat for two. Let's do it. Um, Wrong. You do not need to eat for two when you are pregnant. Like eat for yourself and just eat like smaller meals throughout the day if you need to, because you don't want to you don't want to go too long without eating because you can get dizzy and all that. Um, but with Nora, I just like went crazy. I drank so much Dr. Pepper. Guys, oh, it was bad. I would get up at two in the morning and chug Dr. Pepper. Like it was bad. It was, it was really bad. So with her, I gained probably at least 55 pounds with her. Thank God social media was not a big thing back then. So I don't really have a lot of documented pictures of what I looked like then. But I was not making healthy choices. So I definitely let my weight get a little out of control with her. And then after I had Nora, four months later, I was pregnant again. So my body did not have a lot of time to like get back at all to where it was. It was just like, I went from one pregnancy to the next. So after Sage, with Sage, I did make a little bit of healthier choices. I did not drink as much Dr. Pepper. So I did a little bit better with her. Um, So I just wish that I would have known at the beginning, like you think like, oh, I'm pregnant. I'm allowed to eat for two. Um, and that's just not true. That's actually, it's just, it's just not healthy. So I think you only really need to consume like an extra 300 calories, um, when you're pregnant. And that's not to say like, don't starve yourself. Obviously don't like, if your body's craving something like eat it, just do it in like a good portion. Because most of the time when your body's craving something, it's because it needs something from that. Like there's like so many random things. Like if you want to, if you're like craving ice or if you're craving ketchup, like there's so many weird things that go into it. And each pregnancy for me was different and I craved different things. And like, listen, you're carrying a human. So if you want it, like eat it, just do it in a proper portion size. So for me, it's more about how you handle your, I think health while you're pregnant and less about what you do after, because I think if you can control it while you're pregnant, you have less work to do um, after the baby's here. And like, you're, you're running yourself ragged all the time. So the more kids I have, the more like <laughs> crazy I'm running around like a mad woman. So I feel like I just burn calories by, you know, telling them to clean the room 85 times a day. So, you know, it looks different. It looks different for everybody, but my biggest thing would just be to like be very conscious of what you're eating and drinking while you're pregnant. Um, because after the baby, like the last thing you want to think about is like, Oh, when am I going to like start my fitness program again, at least for me, like you're exhausted and you want to enjoy your baby. So if you can control a little bit while you're pregnant, that usually helps. So. Uh, that was great advice. Yeah. I just, I wanted to ask about that because I'm sure it's something that you get asked a lot. And I think a lot of women are like, yeah, I've got to get back to my body after this baby. And you have to remember like all of, I mean, truly your body just kind of went through a trauma, right? Like our bodies are designed, yeah. like bodies are designed to have babies, right? But 
you also have to be healthy and mindful of what that looks like. And so I just yeah. think it's important to like share, you know, it's different for everybody. It, every, all of our it bodies is. are very different. Yep. You know, we're not all the same, which is good, but exactly. Yeah. I think, and to be okay with that. Yeah. Like, give yourself some like grace, like after you've had a baby and don't compare yourself to somebody who like snaps back in two days. Um, because that's just, it's just not, that's not everybody. And that's great for them. And there's nothing wrong with that either. But, you know, sometimes I'll like, I'll even now, like I'll be hard on myself because I'll look at girls who have had, you know, a couple kids and they like, they've got their abs and whatever. And I'm just like, I just like, I just don't have that. Like I have a little tiny mommy pooch with stretch marks. Like it's just, it's there. Um, and, but the older I've got, the more I've just like become more confident about it. And I'm just like, you know what? Like, I'm proud of that. I'm proud of what my body did. And so you should be proud of what your body did too. And I'm not saying don't be healthy, like definitely be healthy, but don't put these like unrealistic expectations that you're going to like wake up two days later and, you know, look like you're ready to be a bikini model. So. (laughs) No, I think that's great. I think that's great. Well, I think that you have educated our entire audience about all things pregnancy. You might have scared a few people. I know. <laughs> I probably did. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, it's real, right? Like that's, that's the reality of it. And I love that you shared yep. the like, tough moments and the things that like nobody tells you, like nobody tells you when you want to get pregnant that you're going to have to wear mesh panties and like, that it's not going to be great for a few weeks after you have this baby and all the things. So I think yep. it's really awesome that you shared all of that. Oh, good. I hope it was helpful. <laughs> So helpful. So helpful. Well, you guys, you've got to follow along with Erica's journey. So baby is due in October. You're going to find out what it is, right? Like we're going to get to know. Oh, 100%. Yeah. So we'll find out the earliest would be May. So we'll, we'll probably, we'll probably find out in May and then we'll obviously announce it. So secretly we're like praying for a boy just so Hudson can have a brother. Um, but obviously like we will be perfectly happy with whatever God gives us this, you know, we just want a healthy baby. But if you can say a little prayer for Hudson that it'd be a boy, that would make his life. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure he would be stoked about that. Having a brother would be awesome. Uh yeah. <laughs> Yay. Well, thank you guys so much for tuning in. This was such a good episode and so informative, Erica. You are just you're such an inspiration in this in this world of like being a mom and trying to raise kiddos and just to do the right thing. And you're, you're awesome. I appreciate that. Thanks girl. You're welcome. We'll chat with you guys. Well, cheers everybody with my water and (laughs) my orange juice. (laughs) Cheers. Thanks so much for tuning in to Indie Wine Chats this week. If you enjoyed this episode, we'd love to hear from you. Leaving us a review helps other listeners find us and tune in too. Know someone who should be a guest on the show? Head to Indie Wine Chats to fill out our contact form. And you can also check out today's show notes and resources we want you to have. We'll see you next week, wine chatters. Cheers. Cheers.